Yo, yo, how's everybody doing? Yo. Um, pinged everybody. Uh, I'll let everyone in the room know while you're waiting that the Giga Texas belt buckle is back in stock if you want it. So <laughs> before I tweet it out, I'll let you all know first. <laughs> Oh shit, that's big news. Alright. And according to Sawyer, Grimes could be pregnant again. Oh shit. <laughs> no wonder. Yeah, she posted this. Out. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Taking care of business. <laughs> and then air uh uh, yeah. uh, Elon, and then Elon uh, may be done selling. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or at least is very close. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening. A lot of really exciting stuff happening. Um, all right, okay, Matthew, so we got a uh, yeah. So we got like as we wait for people to join us, uh, we're gonna take like callers, see what they want. So. Uh, did you disable callers? No. Nope. Oh, they changed it. John. John, you're on the air. What's on your mind? What do you have to say? <laughs> <laughs> what do you have to say for yourself? <laughs> Me, John? This John? Yes, this that John. <laughs> do you see any other Johns? I don't know. I haven't looked through the whole list yet. <laughs> this is wild. I didn't mean to tap that button, but... Uh, well, do well you, you did. Now you have to say something interesting. Oh, yes. man, this is tough. Uh, I love no pressure. Show. It's awesome. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't have that before, and uh, I think it's great. And I, Are we talking about the recent software update, the holiday update? Yeah, we're talking about the holiday update and uh, really kind of a bigger long-term view. So... Let me take uh, this time to actually introduce the two people who I invited to join our panel today to talk about Tesla software, the holiday update, and also kind of the future of Tesla software. I mean, I think software is really so pivotal, uh, pivotal to what Tesla is and really much of how I think the auto industry is going to differentiate themselves in the future. So this is a really interesting subject. And Really what happened with this holiday update, you know, pushing out a UI design, pushing out FSD beta 10.8, the things they're doing with FSD beta, it's really fascinating. This has never happened in the industry. So I wanted to bring on, in addition to, of course, Alex and Sawyer, Matthew and Tyler. So Matthew is, uh, you know, just a buddy of mine who uh, is, you know, kind of, I think, uh, pretty knowledgeable about technology and Tesla and uh you know, I think we met on, you know, well, we've, we've known each other online, but then we uh, met in real life a while back and uh, hung out a bunch of times. And uh, I'm sure he's got a lot to add. Tyler Corsair, for those of you who don't know him, you should follow Teslascope. Uh, it's his app. It's a great website where you can provide your Tesla account uh and get all kinds of great information and control about your car. And many of you may know him as one of the people who's got a lot of insight into the fleet and software rollouts and how it goes out. And 
just a lot of great news. Like today he shared about the AMD Ryzen computer coming to North American Model 3 and Y, which is super exciting. So thank you so much for joining us, uh, Matt Tyler. Yeah, welcome, Thanks, guys. Omar. Yeah, it's a, it's Thanks a pleasure. for showing Yeah, so let me tell you what I want to have a discussion about. And we'll start a little discussion amongst our panel. And then we'll take callers. If you have anything to say, anything to comment, you can call in. You can ask a question for people who are new to, new to, the, uh, new to the app. And it'll be here. It'll be saved. And you can ask everyone on stage anything you want. So really what I don't want to do today is spend an hour talking about, oh, uh, I got to have an extra tap now. And uh, this has really <laughs> ruined my life. You know, I think you, a lot of people have you know, feedback. I think the right thing to do is maybe just tweet it. You know, the team is going to look at feedback. They're going to improve the software. Uh, there's going to be future updates. Is everything perfect necessarily? No. Are there a few bugs? Yes. But are there a lot of really good things uh, that they've done, a lot of good steps forward and kind of really interesting about the direction they're going? I think so. So I want to talk about the holiday update and the whole process and really how what Tesla's doing with software is so different from the industry. And what really sets them apart? Because I think this is what makes Tesla a trillion-dollar company, while others are just legacy automakers that really have suppliers that provide them software. Um, so that's really what I want this to be about. This isn't necessarily about, you know, I want this to be a little more of a timeless episode that we can look back on and say, okay, this was more of a long-term thing. It wasn't just, oh, I can't find this button, right? So... Yeah, um, Matthew, Tyler, uh, I mean, what did you think about the holiday update and kind of um, the whole uh, the whole update and uh, when we first saw it leaked and um, everything that was... Well, I absolutely love this update. I mean, it just blew me away. And this is this is a real, you know, that that feeling like, oh, I have a new Tesla. I definitely had that feeling. And one thing you and I um, share in common, Omar, is a passion for Apple, right? And we've been following Apple forever. And, you know, I remember when, you know, iOS 7 shipped, right? And there was so much controversy around it, but it laid the foundation for an entirely new look and feel um, that just kept evolving and iterating over the years. Um, and, you know, even though there might be some minor nitpicks here and there about this update, you know, Tesla, you know, is using these vehicles, like their entire team is using these vehicles every day. And so if there's something that needs to improve, it will improve. And we'll see that in the next version. And in terms of comparing, you know, with the rest of the industry, um, I had the uh, misfortune to test drive a Mercedes EQS recently, which is a $100,000 vehicle that looks like it was designed by someone who worked for BlackBerry in 2006. You know, it's just a spray of buttons all on the interior, right? And so every single one of those buttons is almost like, I mean, it's a cry for help in a way. It's like, can you please go to the 12-step program for people who are addicted to buttons? But it's also just like, you know, now now that thing is locked in place. You know, that button's going to be there and it's going to always be there, whether you need it there, whether you want it to be there or not, you know? 
And and Steve Jobs, you know, schooled the entire industry on that issue when he when he introduced the original iPhone. You know, he said you want the screen to be flexible and to be um, to for your interface to change as you need it to change, um, and for us to be able to redo things the way we want to. Um, and it, it's pretty uh, you know hilariously amazing to me that you know most of the industry hasn't figured that out despite despite the fact that they could have studied you know, the Apple interface and figured out, hey, we're going to need an Apple-like interface for our vehicles. But no, they didn't learn that lesson. So here we have Mercedes shipping a $100,000 vehicle today, today, with all of the same problems um, that that Tesla overcame many, many years ago. Um, so so the, the fact that the interface can just continue to evolve is, is just awesome. And then the other thing I want to say about software and the competitive advantage is, you know, hopefully a lot of you have been listening to the Lex Friedman um, podcast with Elon. I'm about two thirds of the way through it. And, and when you listen to Elon's deep dive into um, the FSD software and the neural net, you know, you just you just realize, like, you know, it, it's kind of like like as if Tesla metaphorically had not just like Michael Jordan on its team, but like the, the NBA all-stars of all time, like the best basketball players who ever played. And I don't even think, you know, the competition's even on the court, but if they are, they're a bunch of guys in clown suits. Like, it's just not even vaguely a competition between these are the, the smartest, most brilliant software engineers in the world, all working together, all highly motivated. And you hear Elon say things like, you know, I don't care about motivation. I don't care about optimism or pessimism we're going to do it or we're going to die trying and you know he said that about um spacex and making um uh, starship rapidly reusable but the same thing is true of fsd like there's no doubt that everyone on that team is totally committed to solving that and then we're going to have you know tesla's going to have robo taxis before mercedes has figured out how to you know develop a, a decent user interface so that's my series of comments yeah initial and i definitely agree checking out the Lex Friedman episode, I'm about the same way through as you, especially some of his comments about FSD beta 11. I mean, it sounds like they have some really foundational improvements that they're still making that can really take us to the next level. And I know you and I have been talking and we've already had so many great experiences with the new holiday update in FSD beta 10.8. It's really insane to think where this could be going uh, in the future with with V11 and, and future software. And that's really the core of the interface issue in many ways, is that we're moving towards FSD. We're moving towards a car that's completely automated. So what does that software look like? You know, why are we adding games? Why are we adding a PS5 level GPU to all our cars? Um, Tyler, uh, do you have any thoughts you wanted to share to start us off before we take a couple calls? Absolutely. First and foremost, uh, can can you hear me all right? Yeah, you're good. Perfect. Yeah, beautifully put, Matthew. I pretty much agree with all those sentiments. I personally have absolutely enjoyed the holiday update. Uh, I love the interface changes. I love everything that's kind of shifted around a little bit. I, you know, I was a little worried early on before we actually saw it on the Model F, sorry, the Model uh, 3 and Y, whether it would still be as smooth and kind of as buttery as the S and X had, but it's really performed really well for me, and I'm very, very happy with it. Um, I think, you know, Tesla is always months and years ahead of what we are actually seeing on our vehicles so so far. So, you know, when what we see right now is still a year 
out or sits, sits a year behind from what is actually in the pipeline and what they're working on, what they're focusing on, what they hope to get out to everybody. So I think there are a lot of things that, as you said, you know, focusing on FSD, focusing on a lot of things that are kind of soon to be, but not yet, is a big focus for Tesla. Um, a lot of changes happen with the holiday update, which I think are kind of geared towards kind of uh, focusing towards a app store and building out the ecosystem that Tesla has in terms of software. But with our vehicles getting to that point where they're able to do so much more, able to take a lot of the kind of fundamental tasks that we've typically had with driving away, opens up a whole new territory of what you can do in your vehicle, what opportunities there are, what things can build upon that. You know, everyone has to drive. Everyone has to get from point A to point B. But what can you do to take advantage of that time you have to be in the car anyway and take it, you know, make it as fulfilling as possible? Yeah, totally. Um, I think the car is really emerging as a primary computing platform in many ways that's going to be just as important to users as their laptop or their phone. You're going to do a lot of computing there that is relevant to your travel and relevant to your day-to-day life. Alan, uh, you're on the air. Unmute yourself if you have a question for us. Alan, you're unmuted, but we can't hear you. Okay, so he remuted, unmuted. I, I, I just have a question, maybe, um, uh, to touch upon what Matthew and Tyler have mentioned. Um, like, what prevents Mercedes, for example, for like putting together like a kick-ass like software team? How special are the people that are working at Tesla right now that you know, to, to keep their like competitive advantage, like software wise. And I'm not talking about FSD here, talking like basic, like car software, like what does Tesla have? Do they have like so much experience doing this for so many years, the right way and the right leadership and the right, uh, like corporate culture that, you know, it, it would take a lot of time to build that. Or can anybody basically any OEM that wants to be serious about this and take it to the next level and maybe like copy Apple, and say, okay, we're going to do this. Is this possible, or is are they years out, whatever they do? I think it would take a lot of challenge for any of the legacy OEMs to actually catch up with Tesla. There are so many fundamental things that Tesla has kind of in the same ways as Apple, where their hardware is built distinctly to work along with their software. Tesla's the exact same way. Every bit of hardware in that entire vehicle, whether it's your, you opening up your window to the actual drivetrain, is all speaking to the car at all times. The car knows exactly what's happening at every single moment as you're driving, as you're charging. And without a, a, you know, a vehicle company essentially building their car from the ground up, taking all the concepts they've originally had and then they've been working with for 20, 30, 40, even 100 years in terms of Ford, and just starting from scratch, it's going to be so difficult for them to catch up to that to that same level of just uh, integration. Uh, the teams themselves that work at Tesla are phenomenal. Uh, some, you know, one of the, I think it was either, it was either on LinkedIn or some other, uh, I think it could have been Time Magazine, is Tesla is literally one of the most attractive companies for engineers and software developers to that they're looking to to uh, work there. So I think there's a, a, a you know absolutely incredible team that's working on both the software and hardware combined. Those the teams I think in the SpaceX interview that uh, uh, that Elon had recently, he spoke how every single team kind of just very fluidly speaks to one another. There's not really any rigid 
uh, structure for who does who. Everyone can kind of just contribute and give their thoughts, and that allows for a very unified system of both developing the actual car itself, but also developing the underlying software that runs everything. So, I, I, my own personal opinion is that I, 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 I do believe there might be a couple companies that will break through and you know will survive but they really have to change everything they've ever thought of everything everything they've ever worked towards to be able to catch up with tesla and rivian and all the other companies that have from the very beginning focused solely on that software and hardware yeah i mean it's actually very profound if you think about it software isn't something where you can just go and say hey i'm gonna go and hire some great programmer i'm gonna go hire George Hotz or something, and I'm going to go hire him to work for Volkswagen, and he's going to transform the company. Now, great software is really about the culture of the company, and there are very few companies that have been able to execute great software really well. There's, it's just the management structure. It's the culture of the company. Software is so much different than anything in hardware in terms of the way you build it, um, the way it works, the way management might not understand it the way that an engineer taking the lead might. So that's why you have companies like Apple and Google dominate software. And when you're good at software, software changes everything you do because software can make you more efficient. And Tesla from the beginning has been operating at this huge advantage. They've got to make a car, but it has to have this huge $10,000 battery pack. So how do you make a car with a $10,000 extra part compete with a car that doesn't have it. Well, they said, we need to be more efficient every step of the way. And software has been a big part of that. Um, Chris. Chris, what's your question? Sorry, I'm moving something right now. Yeah, I'll ask a question real yeah. quick. Tyler, I'm curious to get your thoughts being so plugged into sort of the Tesla software ecosystem, and you know, I, I don't know how plugged in you are to other companies' software developments, but who do you think is like the closest competitor to Tesla from a software perspective? I would honestly say either Rivian or Lucid. Mm -hmm. uh, Rivian still has a long way to go, and I think a little bit of their hardware in terms of the actual software, like what is allowing the software to run is a little bit behind a couple iterations down the line. They, we might see something catch up to the, the first few iterations of the Model S, but Rivian and Lucid are pretty much the only companies, period, that I've seen come close to Tesla, at least in, in the, kind of the North American. So basically like Greenfield, like Greenfield yeah, platforms totally. yes. are, are, have a leg up over legacy any day of the week, basically. That's what you're saying. Absolutely. And, and I, think, I think I definitely agree on uh, Rivian. Lucid has kind of taken more of a, I don't really care about software. It's more like luxury marketing to the consumer kind of attitude. But generally, the Greenfield companies, as Alex said, have a much better chance. And when you really look at the way these companies are structured, Tesla, they build everything themselves, right? So when you build everything yourself, it's really easy to make the software. And the software engineer can go down and he can talk to the guy who, who's making the seat or who's making the motor or who's making any other part of the car. And he can ask them a question. The other guys like Volkswagen, they just buy the thing from Mobileye. They're not even writing their own software. They're really assembling all these different pieces. The culture is really just completely different. And 
to create a really vertically integrated software experience like Tesla, it's not just hiring a programmer. You've got to kind of rebuild your entire business from the ground up around software. And that's really hard if you don't have a leader who is a software expert through and through. And Elon, dude's been coding since Blastar, right? PayPal, you know, SpaceX is largely a software company in many ways. He's a software expert. And that's why Tesla's done so well, why it's worth every other automaker combined. All right, Chris. Yeah. yeah. Um, so since we were sort of talking about other companies there for a second, I figured I would chime in because I'm in talks with um, Aptera to potentially uh, help them out. And um, I was wondering if you or anybody on the speakers list could uh, speak more about that as a company and what you think, um, where they're headed, uh, how they stack up against Tesla, especially after, you know, we saw the superchargers. That's the solar premier. car thing? Uh, yeah. You, you know about Aptera? Do you know, have you looked at their product, Omar? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, um... So yeah, I'd say like the main difference between the two companies is, you know, Elon was saying during Model 3 um, when, when they were talking about like potential changes to that before it was coming up for production at large scale, whether or not they would have like a solar roof option. Ultimately, we obviously didn't get one of those. Um, and the reason why was because um, given the like type of car they were producing, it wouldn't really make sense because you'd only get like maybe what, like six miles a day or something. But with a smaller car like Aptera, you know, you only have, I think it's like maybe two or four seats. Um, it's a three wheel design, a little bit lighter. So it seems like that might be, you know, a viable solution to have, you know, they've probably obviously done the engineering numbers and seen that it makes sense to do that. So, um, yeah, I'm just curious. The, the one thing that I'm concerned about with that is like, you can get someone to look at a model three and maybe at first they'll be like, Oh, there's no grill. But then like, I don't know, for me, it took about five minutes for me to appreciate the fact that it doesn't have a grill. Um, it's like sleek. There's not a lot going on in the front. It's just like, you know, it's, it's your solid car. But, um, when you look at an Aptera, it's like, well, it's slightly different. And the, the thing that worries me is like, well, people don't like different, but people do like an underdog. So it's like, how are they going to fit into the market based on, you know, where, where Tesla's come from and now where they are. And I, I mean, I see other people, you know, riding around like, um, tricycle motorcycle type things and people seem to like those especially in like florida they're kind of like little groups of people who like to go around you know like on a friday night or something but it seems more of like a like a hobby more than like something that you would do you know you'd like take your aptera to the grocery store or something you know people well without getting a little to sidetracked away from the software, I think Aptera is really interesting. What they're doing is essentially building a really small, efficient car that can be powered just by solar panels. So solar panels aren't really efficient enough to charge a car, but maybe if you made a really small, efficient one, it could. Uh, the problem really is, I think, with these Arkimoto and um, Aptera kind of things, there's a lot of excitement and demand. They're really fun products, but the market for this segment isn't really as proven as the global passenger vehicle market, which has obviously been around for a hundred years. Anybody have any other thoughts on Aptera before we open it up to Ryan? From 
No, like like you said, it's interesting and like yeah, people got to try stuff and who knows like the whole automotive uh transportation sector is being like disrupted, robo taxis are on their way, uh EVs everything. So, yeah, people are going to try stuff. It's interesting. It needs to be tried. But I'm just looking at their website right now. We're talking about 16 to 40 miles of range added daily with solar charging. It's it's not for everybody. Let, let's be honest. But yeah, let's not get sidetracked from the software. We might talk about this some other time. Very briefly on that, Tara, just just because it is kind of software related. Uh, they do have the Tesla port, so I'm very curious now that the Tesla app is now allowing people to either eventually, or I think it is already through in uh, other regions to charge through the supercharger network. I wonder if they'll just use the Tesla app for that when using superchargers, or if they'll have their own thing. Oh wow, that's super cool. Yeah, I could see a lot of Tesla owners maybe if they've got some extra money buying one of those for fun. I mean, it's definitely a super cool concept. Ryan, uh Hey guys. Um thanks for having me on. Uh this is a particularly interesting subject for me given, you know, I know there are a lot of people that do this, but at least I'm one of the more vocal about my experiences doing this sharing cars on Turo. And so You know, I was pretty early to critique the Model S uh, UI, and basically, I, I really did not. Well, the new Model S UI when it first came out and they refresh, and I really didn't want a lot of the the features that they were putting in there. And I think there are a lot that make for a better car sharing experience. And the reason why I'm emphasizing the car sharing experience is obviously more towards you know robo taxi. And if you believe FSD will eventually lead to robo taxi, you know, to me, it's a, a kind of a domino effect. And When I first got in my very first Model 3, I immediately saw so many things in the user interface that were designed to be simple, designed to be intuitive, designed to be designed to be straightforward. You know, the only exception to that, if any of you have ever shared you know, a Model 3 with someone who's never been in a Model 3 before, was uh, getting out of the car, the door handles going going in and out. And so, to me, the Model 3 uh, and, and why user interface was more ideal. I know a lot of people felt that it was maybe cheap. But I was I was thinking, okay, in the long term, it's towards robo taxi, and so I I was thinking over the long term we'd see more of that kind of design, and this is the first time I feel that Tesla has done something that is against the direction of robo taxi. If you you know, there's a lot of little things that Tesla's done recently that seem towards robo taxi. Uh, now you can share your, uh, for example, just as of today, you can share your car within the app you can give people access just with their email address to me those things are steps towards car sharing towards robo taxi the new user interface being the way that it's designed to hide so many things that in certain menus and have have it be less intuitive with with heating controls you know i i understand that a lot of it is trying to be predictive but i feel like a lot of it is less intuitive and so i, I would love to have that discussion with you guys of basically like if you were to describe the direction that this uh you know update goes in what is that direction and why would tesla go that way because i i i feel like it is more of the model s and model x ethos of you know how do we make the best car for someone to own which i get for the model s and x but for three and y i think those are going to be the ideal robo taxi cars and i didn't want them to go this way so well so you're saying that you think it's it's against the direction of robo taxis because it's harder to find some of the controls that you want to use and you as someone who rents out your cars 
this creates an issue for you as someone who needs to help the users know how to use the interface. So that exactly. I think for the for any first time user, I'm admit, I'm imagining it's more difficult to learn and understand than the prior three and Y interface. Yeah. Um, sorry. Uh, go ahead. I find it's really interesting that you see see it that way, Ryan, because I was wanting to make the exact opposite point. I think the holiday software update is heading more in the direction of robo-taxis, and I can give you several examples of that. Um, for instance, the full-screen FSD visualization. I love that. Please. And you know, Apple used to talk about we're skating, skating towards where the puck is going, not where it's been, which is a Wayne Gretzky quote, right? So, you know, if you're in the vehicle and you just tell, and, and I also, I think someday we're going to have an Alexa-like voice assistant where you get it, you know, if you're a robo-taxi pass, passenger, you get in the vehicle and you say, you know, hey, Tesla or whatever, take me to blank. And then what do you see? You see this, this full screen visualization, which is sort of reassuring and soothing and comforting to you that you can see that the car knows what the hell it's doing, right? And you don't need to see the map. You've already told it where it's going. You're trusting it to get you there. Um, so like that's, that's just one example. Um, and with the climate thing, I actually think what they did was great because, you know, if you're in the passenger seat, you can see on the bottom right corner, um, you know, the, 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 the heating controls and you can just change the climate there. But I also think like robo taxi passengers eventually will be able to just use voice assistant to change the climate without touching anything. Right. I mean, didn't Elon say something like all input is error. So I do think we're going to get to that point where you're just interfacing with m many aspects of the car via voice if you want to. Um, so it, it may be, I mean, I think what you're pointing to really like, honestly, it occurs to me more like as a learning curve frustration. Like there's an initial, oh, wow, everything got scrambled. Things got changed. Things got put in a new place. I think over the next week or two, people are going to adjust to that. If you haven't already, I highly recommend everyone watch Omar's YouTube video that he put out sometime, what, in the last 24 hours, Omar, where he, he takes you through all a whole bunch of changes and a whole bunch of tips on how to make the, the new user interface sort of easier to navigate and alternative methods to, to to activate some of the things that might be, you know, hidden behind the menus. Um, but I actually think it's actually really going towards robo-taxis. So that's just... Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's a really interesting comment Ryan made, and I thank him for making it because it's one that we've heard so often, or I mean, one that I've heard so often. I, th I mean, obviously, I think there's a lot of people like Matthew and Tyler and I who are enjoying the interface and got it and it's just like you look at it and it's like oh my god this looks great it's like i got a new car and that feeling is so priceless and so unprecedented in the industry it never happens with any other brand but you do have a lot of people saying you know <laughs> so like well ryan said it very politely some other people are like fuck this this was a huge mistake my life is ruined i gotta tap now and i'm I'm going to crash. I'm going to die. I don't have the defroster. And, uh, you know, I really hate this. I wish I could go back to the old one. And, uh, you know, some people even getting mad at me saying, why do you like this? This is terrible. Like, why are you defending this? How can you like this? And I mean, I think this is just kind of funny. Maybe Tyler can kind of speak to this as people who have worked in software, but this is kind of the thing with, UI changes, right? The users 
they don't care about you. They don't care about your software. They don't care about your interface that you're working all the time on. They just care about what they're doing, right? They've got a job. They're trying not to get fired because, you know, they've been uh, on TikTok all day and they forgot to do their job and now their boss is calling them or, you know, they're trying to, you know, hook up with somebody. Uh, They're trying to focus on whatever their stupid goals of their life are at the moment. And they're not necessarily worried. You know, they don't want the software to change. And it's not necessarily that Tesla created this amazing user interface. Oh my God, it's the paragon of simplicity and perfection. Nothing can be changed in this interface. It's just that they already know how to use it. And they've been using it for years. So a lot of the time we see something different and we go, oh my God, it's different. I used to know how to do this. It was like muscle memory for me. And now it's somewhere else. And I don't like that. And you see this kind of reaction that, eventually kind of subsides as the software continues to evolve. They listen to people's criticisms and all that. So I think that is a little bit of what's happening here with some people where it's kind of an iOS 7 kind of Facebook redesign scenario where you see this to some extent. But this was not something where Tesla just rushed it out like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we like removed some stuff and, you know, just to piss off our users? They launch this user interface design in, I think it was, when was it? Early in the year with the Model S. Or That's right, yeah. January. So they launched this UI with the Model S and it's been all year. And it's funny how, you know, people kind of go, where's V11? Why is it so late? They're complaining about it. And then it comes and then they complain about the changes. So to some extent, people will always complain about anything. But When I saw this, I said, wow, I had no idea that Tesla had these UI designers really looking at the software and really thinking about it at a fundamental level and really thinking about where Tesla is going in the next 10 years and what kind of software architecture they're going to need for that and to really make it great for robo-taxi. Some people may not see that yet. They just see the bad and they don't realize some of the things that are actually nicer and better for them that maybe they don't appreciate yet because they're just angry about one extra tap or whatever. But consider this, the year's 2030, you're getting in your uh, robo-taxi. Is there a defroster button front and center on the screen? Hmm. Is there a rear defroster button? Hmm. Are you expected to control the defroster at all? Hmm. No, right? Why would you control the defroster? The car is driving itself and you're just in the front seat controlling the defroster, controlling the seat heater, controlling the lights? Of course not. So Tesla is so far ahead in this that people don't quite get it. But basically, all the controls are going away. There's going to be very minimal uh, controls. And the software as it was, was getting very bloated. It's like you're with your wife or your girlfriend and, or your husband or your boyfriend, and they slowly start getting fat and you don't realize it. You know, first they added, you know, when I got the Tesla, it didn't have a dash cam. They added the dash cam. Then they added the sentry mode, the snapshot. They added all these features over time. Then they added the dash cam viewer. You can click the dash cam and click launch. And it got bloated. Stuff was scattered all over the place. Okay. Your trip is here. 
check your tire pressure on this card in the left. But your dash cam viewer, you tap the camera on the right and then you push launch. And then this is over here and that's over there. It was getting a little unwieldy. Nobody was complaining about it because they were used to it. But when you think about the future, when you think about the games they want to add, the software they want to add, Elon said, we're adding a lot. Not just a lot of games, but a lot of things. Third-party applications. You may be running some kind of tour or something. So in many ways, I think this design is incredibly forward-thinking. So much so that people don't understand it. Because they can only see what's happening today. And they say, well, now I've got one extra tap and I don't get anything. But what they don't realize is Tesla knows what they're planning to do in the future. They know about the features they're planning to add and the things they're going to build and what those products are going to be like. And uh, you can really start to see that in this software, which is part of what's so exciting. So, Ryan, uh, Omar, you- I feel great. I feel like we're getting peak Omar tonight because normally I feel like Omar and I are pretty synced on a number of things. Sometimes we disagree and I hold that position of disagreement, but I feel like the way that you just conveyed a lot of that is helping me understand this better. I'm I'm currently in a rented Model Y and yeah, I I think some of this is a matter of removing bloat, Um, like the sentry mode camera and, and dash camera. I'm like, oh, I really want those buttons. And some of that is me still holding onto that attachment and saying, well, you know, if my if my honk for for uh, dash cam recording isn't turned on, then I have to tap twice to hit record, which is some of that personal preference rather than autonomous. And maybe, yeah, maybe at, at, you know in the near future we'll get a version that says it's just going to record a clip anytime you do anything that exceeds you know point five g's of a lateral force. So I think I think maybe I'm not thinking far enough ahead this time. And kind of like when they put the new phone app out, everyone's like, well, this is just a more confusing user interface. And now we're starting to see a lot of uh, things rebuilt. I think I may have been a little bit too short-term in my thinking. And, and yeah, I think, Omar, you might be hanging <laughs> on a lot of great points. Well, Ryan, I think you did a really good job at articulating what maybe a lot of people in the audience are thinking, which is really good. And I would tell everybody, look, the software isn't perfect. I immediately in the day after, you know, tweeted out four or five different bugs I found. And, you know, I said, hey, Elon Musk, there's this little alert that says, you know, autopilot creeping, making right turn. It's like barely visible. That's like a bug. Hey, this color is a little different than this color. Hey, why is the turn thing rounded, but the music player's corners are square? So it's not perfect. If you have a suggestion, tweet it out to Elon. Like we're we're so lucky that we actually get software updates where they try and make it better for us. And if there is something that we don't like or that could be better, tweet it out. Let the team know. They actually read it. They have people who go through, they find these tweets where you tag Elon or Tesla, and they'll get it to the team and the team will read it. And look, we're not all UI designers. Not everybody uh, has the best ideas, but they will think about what you're saying and trying to figure out how to address it. And I think in future software updates, people are going to be like, wow, okay, this is, uh, this is great. And they've fixed a lot of these things that I was complaining about. And uh, I'm starting to really get on. I agree. I think it'll be that way. Talk- yeah, Ryan. So a few other good uh, things I wanted to bring up while you were talking was last year, Tesla released a ton of informational videos on their YouTube account uh, to, for new owners, as well as those who uh, were switching both from the like three and Y to the SNX and so forth. 
And now that a lot of the UI has shifted, I do believe that a lot of those videos will either be remade or refreshed to kind of give a more, you know, so that we people don't go on that and are confused, well, why does it look this way and it's not that the way anymore? Um, another point was, uh, I think, uh, the, the actual voice controls received almost twice as many uh, abilities uh, this last year as the previous year when it was first implemented or when it was first very rudimentary. Uh, so I do expect that voice controls should receive a pretty significant update next year, uh, giving a lot more control, a lot more just mod, you know, modular, modularness with everything. Yeah. And the final point is um, with the S and X, with the new Ryzen CPU as well as now, we're finally seeing uh, 3s and Ys with it, which on that note, I just got confirmation from uh, Green, Green the only, that not only is it the new CPU, but it also is confirmed to have the new GPU as well. So that will help in a couple of the regards. PS5 level graphics um, and every three and Y. You heard it your first Nice. But with the with the, the threes and Y that did have, as well as the S and X, the voice control is a little snappier and a little more responsive. So I'm hopeful that that combination of the additional controls and the new uh, CPU getting put into at least the newly, more newly produced vehicles will help that transition to, you know, it, it, honestly, it, you know, in the same amount of time that you could open the UI, click the defrost, wait for it to start, if the voice control is that snappy, you should be able to just click the button, tell it to do its thing, and by the same amount of time, you should be able to kind of have that. Yeah, just two quick things before I go. I love the instructional videos. I think those are incredibly helpful. For what it's worth, in the 3 and Y videos, I'm actually in them. I used to work at Tesla and I work, you know, near to that team, and so I know that those videos are very helpful and I often kind of make little requests to that old team because it's some of my best friends on that team. Um, so yeah, no, those are excellent. And then, yeah, just for the voice control, I think that would be kind of my only kind of complaint is we used to have a voice control trigger on the touchscreen. And now I, I sound kind of like I'm shaking my fists, but like, you know, I'd I, I would love for either that back. I don't need that back, but I would like to believe that we could have like a Hey Siri kind of, command that you know optional toggle on or off if you want to have it but i think that it seems like it's time for that and i guess i'm some of my frustration kind of comes from not having that we talk about how voice controls can replace all these things but you have to touch on the steering wheel and even worse on the yoke uh, have to find that trigger uh, i would love for that trigger to be replaced uh, with a voice command and with that i, I gotta leave you guys i'm going mm -hmm. out with some friends this evening so have a good evening yeah thanks so Tyler, I'm curious if you've gotten any more insight into the new front camera housing unit that you tweeted about earlier. So I'm, I've only gotten two people who have taken delivery distinctly today who have noticed that. And it looks like the actual curvature is a little bit different to possibly give the center camera a little bit more of a, either an angle to have a little bit less of the top cut off. Because I know in a lot of the dash cams that we can't see ourselves, but that uh, green is shown in a lot of the crash cameras Sometimes the very top is cut off a little bit, or even in the neural network videos, you'll see a little bit of noise at the very top. And so I'm curious if that's what's changed, and if it's just a very minor little shift to just the housing. But because people have just been noticing this change today, uh, I can't tell if there's any actual like camera or any other changes so far. But it, it it's kind of rough because I'm getting, I've only gotten, they said two or three people who've confirmed getting these changes. And then some people even like three, 4,000 bins away won't got to get any of these things. So it looks like either Tesla is just very, it's like the very first batch of these vehicles that are getting these changes. And with the next month or two, you should see a more consistent of these vehicles, how happy both the, the Ryzen CPU and the housing changes, but it's, it's still, still uh, keeping an eye on things. Gotcha. 
How does the hardware compare? Like we're talking Ryzen and new GPUs and everything. How does it compare to like what OEMs are putting out these days? Like what, what's the, the, <laughs> the gap? Well, Alex, let me give it's, you... It's a, and I, Sorry, you, go ahead, you, Tyler. Uh, <laughs> it's the difference of a uh, the, the new MacBooks that just came out and a Windows Millennium machine, pretty much. Right. Most, <laughs> most computers are pretty much running on the same, like a super, super old OS that was built in the early 2000s and has not been changed. It's been given you know, a couple skin uh, optimizations and you know very small hardware upgrades. But this is, there, there's, there's no comparison. It's, it's an ant versus a... Uh... Yeah, so to give you maybe some points of reference on this, first of all, the way that Tesla builds their car computer is very different than, say, how Honda or Toyota or Volkswagen might do it. Typically, those other companies will have less of a powerful central computer and more chips distributed across the car because let's say they buy the door from this supplier and they buy the air conditioning from that supplier. And each supplier kind of has their own chip that they put in that part with less of it being done centrally. And then to really power their center screen, which most cars kind of have these days, they'll have probably some very old chip to the extent that during the chip shortage, that's why these guys couldn't get any chips even today. December retail sales for Legacy Auto are expected to be down 20 to 30% because they just can't make the cars. And why? Because they went and they said, hey, we need more chips for our air conditioner. And the chip supplier said, well, we don't have any more capacity to build 30 nanometer chips. Right. So, you know, generally over time, better chips, the size gets smaller and smaller. So, you know, right now, TSMC is building a fab that's going to be a two nanometer fab. And so these guys are using really old, outdated chips, so much so that when they ask people to expand production capacity of those old chips they're using, they won't do it because who would invest in building an outdated fab in 2021? Right. They want to build the new high tech fab. They don't want to build the old one. So this is really part of the problem for Legacy Auto is they're using really outdated chips. They're not powerful at all. And it's just uh, it's just day and night. I mean, when you look at a Tesla, this is like a high-end gaming PC, essentially, is going to have an AMD Ryzen with a, with a GPU of that. Matthew, uh, I saw you unmute earlier. Did you want to add something? Or maybe we can take a uh, next caller. I was, I was just I was just going to follow up on the um, the discussion about you know the software interface and the UI and you know what like one specific example that I love is that you know if you swipe up from the bottom of the screen now you get climate right you get the full climate input instead of the mini climate input and I didn't even know about that until I watched Omar's video. There's probably a lot of people who won't know about it when they first get the software update, but once you do it the first time you're never going to forget and you're never going to go back. You're like, wow, this is amazing, right? This is so much better than it used to be. And now I can just swipe up to get climate and it's, it's freaking great. So, and my comparison there is who remembers when Apple killed the home button, the physical home button, right? And replaced it with that swipe up thing. You know, some people were upset about that. They're like, I just want my home button. I'm used to it. I'm so, and, and that's the thing is, it's like, you know, people get accustomed to a thing and then they become, you know, sort of locked into it. 
Um, but then when, but you know, then they spent, spend a, a little bit of time with the new thing and they're like, wait, why did I even have a home button in the first place? God, that, that was just a whole bunch of cruft, right? You know, now, now it's so much better because I have a bigger screen because the home button's gone. So, so that's the, that's the kind of thing, you know, Tesla's doing with these updates is just being brave enough to, to just make a change that some people are going to be initially resistant to. And yeah, I mean, hey, everyone. Oh, Hey, Elvis. What? All good. All good. So, um, I, I, I have a comment to make as well on, on software and hardware. Now, um, you guys all remember that the iPhone was uh, first introduced in 2007, right? And uh, my first iPhone was in 2008, the 3G. Um, now, uh, before that, I used to have a mobile phone that would last me five, six, seven, ten years. I would just maybe change the battery. Batteries were changeable. Uh, just buy a new battery and the, the phone was working just as it was designed. But with the iPhones... And that, that was very smart of Apple. With the iPhones, you get the iPhone 3G, and then uh, you get the 3GS where you get uh, multitasking, right? And now everyone wants the 3GS, and the 3G is an old tech legacy, as some might call it. Uh, and, then, and then you get the 4, and you get a 5, and by the time you get to the iPhone 6, uh, the iPhone 3 uh, is running like an old, old, old device, and it takes minutes even to make a call. So Apple then forces you to upgrade to a new phone. Well, depends. Uh, if, if you're like me and uh, a person that wants to have the latest tech and the, the fastest phone and stuff, you'll buy a new one every year or maybe once every two years. Um, some, if you're like my mother, you'll, you'll be okay with a phone every five years, maybe. Um, if you're like my grandmother, she's have, she's going to have a phone and maybe change it after 10 years or after it, it's broken. Um, but Apple, both with software and hardware, uh, is pushing people to change phones continuously. Right? Because basically you, 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 an iPhone, 10 or 11 is extremely slow now because the software has been made to require even more resources from the hardware and that makes the phone slower. And I'm noticing the same with Tesla. I mean, don't tell me an 11 car, uh, an 11 month car is a legacy car, <laughs> right? Um, it's just legacy because uh, it has a different type of screen. And um, what I'd love for Tesla is that... My... Are you talking about the SNX? Yes, I'm talking about the SNX. Which you, are ha you have an S or an X? I have an X. I have a 3 as well. And, uh, well, looking forward for the Cybertruck. Uh, but I have an X from 2017 uh, who has a vertical screen. Uh, I've already paid $1,500 to replace the, the screen with the, well, the MCU with, from MCU 1 to MCU 2. And I paid that out of pocket because MCU 1 is, was extremely, extremely slow. And then uh, I did that upgrade last year. And now my car is a legacy one. <laughs> right? Okay, I, I, I'm not complaining that much because my car is already a You're four running or five years old on car. No, I'm not because I need the I need the new cameras. Mm -hmm. I'm getting an update on January sixth, and then I'm hoping to get the FSD beta on the X as well. I am running FSD beta on the three, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, 
I think so uh, I, 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 I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not finished if you give me two more minutes. So, so, so my point was um, Tesla may start doing this on purpose as well, just because they want people to, uh, especially the ones that really want the latest tech and latest software, to just upgrade to a new car. But uh, a car is not $1,000. It's, uh, it's uh, a bit more than that. And uh, I'd love if Tesla would understand that people uh, can't just upgrade to a new car if they want the latest software, uh, instead provide some sort of a retrofit to, to basically change to the newest computer, newest tech. And, uh, well, that's my point. In, uh, in the end, it, it's really cool. Everything is advancing. And I'm sure that today's UI will be old in three years and uh, people will come back to the same complaints. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll think the one that was introduced today, well, this week or last week with the holiday update will be uh, the best. And uh, um, yeah, uh, I, I'd really love to see Tesla uh, be able to do retrofits. I'd, I'd rather pay ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 to do a complete retrofit of my dashboard um, just to put the new... Uh, screen on it, um, then uh, have to pay 150k to to buy a new Model X. Yeah, but I how like to do the same analogy used with iPhone? How would you like retrofit a 3G iPhone uh, into well, a like, six or seven? But that's a, that's a thousand dollars device. It's not. No, no, I know, I know. I I, I get your point that it's not the same thing, but. Uh, again, this is, I, I think this is where it's at. Like hardware drives software, software drives hardware. And, uh, you know, at some point retrofits are possible, but at some point they're not anymore. So, um, you know, well, the choice was made originally with the vertical screen. Now they're horizontal screens and, you know, it's, well, look, you I, know, I don't think we're ever going back to vertical screens. I mean, look, Apple their roots were as a hardware company, right? They made money selling you a new device. And every year they had to convince you to buy the new device. And, oh, your battery starts dying. Okay, well, time to buy a new iPhone or whatever. You can't get it replaced. That was really Apple's culture. And they tried to do that for many years. They were giving subsidies on the iPhone, lowering it to 199 trying to get people to buy iPhones every year. Then they realized that hey, this isn't really a sustainable day, way to do business where we got to convince people to buy the new iPhone every year. It's too much work for us. And now a lot of their growth has been in software and services. And I think this is kind of the direction Tesla's going in too. But I think we just have to kind of take a moment to count our blessings here. As you said, you know, you've upgraded the computer on your Model X already one time and you may be able to upgrade it again. Your 2017 car is going to be able to run FSD beta, which is the most advanced driving automation software that exists in the world. What other 2017, like, go look at other 2017 cars from other automakers. It's a joke. They'll charge you 200 bucks for a USB stick to get maps that are up to date, whereas, you know, your Tesla's pulling it over cellular it's able to upgrade uh, and do all these things, get all these features, get a holiday software update, 
despite the fact that it's a four-year-old car, they're doing this because they care about the customers. Think about the effort to do the whole UI, the whole update, and you got to support the vertical screens and the horizontal screens. If they didn't want to support the vertical screens, you really couldn't blame them because ultimately, sadly, it's going the way of the dodo bird. But they are supporting it. They did send the holiday update. And I think it's just kind of so funny where you've got the three and the Y people and they're complaining. They're saying, oh, my God, I got this software update. I hate it. Now I got to push this button to change my profile. My life is ruined. And then on the other hand, you've got the vertical screen guys. And they're like, oh, so now just because I have a vertical screen, I have to wait a couple more days for this update. This is really shitty too. And so, by the way, I don't have the I don't have the holiday update on my X yet. Yeah, it's. I mean, it should be starting to go out now. Um, I, we, I my dad just got it on his twenty eighteen S, but um, you know, people are going to really complain about anything. They'll complain about getting the update. They'll not. They'll complain about not getting the update. So you kind of just have to do the right thing, and I think the Tesla is has done a pretty good job i mean nobody supports their year old customers with software updates and functionality like fsd beta like tesla does so i think they've done a really good job of supporting uh their customers and they're not like apple they don't make all these changes right the model 3 the model s they've made little changes but they look good your 2018 model 3 is as good as a 2021 in every way and it looks the same it's got a better resale value because they don't make design changes every year just to make your product obsolete so that it looks old and you have to buy a new one. So I don't know. I I think they've been super great to their old customers. Who else can say I've got a 2017 car and it can, you know, potentially run FSD beta with the camera upgrade as has happened for I agree with you. I agree with you. And it's, it's amazing that Tesla still provides updates for cars that are several years old, and they're free. <laughs> it's 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 a really great uh, great um, um, thing for customers, and uh, I I as a customer appreciate it. Uh, the thing that I would love if they would do is go the extra mile, and when they come up with a new product, provide the ones that already have an older car. It could be a month older or five years older, provide them with the opportunity for a paid uh, upgrade. Just, that that uh, should happen. That should be ex- expected to be. Well, they're not going to retrofit you to a horizontal screen. Sometimes there are these big changes like that where they're just not going to go through the effort to retrofit a horizontal screen. It's It's almost like the effort of building a new car in terms of the cost and complexity of getting service centers around the world to do that. The fact is, your car is great. It doesn't need a software update. It's an amazing car. People would die to have it without any software updates. The fact yeah, that but I want the, I want the latest. Updates. I want the best and the latest. And, so, and that yeah, will so, force me to buy so, a new X next year. So, so, uh, although, although if Tesla doesn't want to uh, transfer my unlimited miles from, from the old one to the new one, I might think about it. Although, yeah, well, whatever. Uh, I, I've used the free superchargers five times in, in three years. Uh, <laughs> but it's a cool gimmick to have. Um, yeah. Hey, Elvis. Um, so I've got a message for you, bro. Which is, if you want the latest and greatest, 
get a new Model X. There is a very good reason Tesla has been internally referring to the old versions as legacy. It's because these are not refreshes. These are reinventions of these vehicles. Like when yeah, I was at the really unveil, I mean, they have re-engineered every aspect. I want to underline those two words, every aspect of these vehicles, you know, and other than the fact that the, you know, the exterior, you know, um, facade looks pretty similar, right? But on the inside, the guts of these things are completely new vehicles. So if you want the latest and greatest, just get, just get one and sell your old X and, and you'll be really happy. And, and that's what happens. And that's what happens sometimes in technology. And Tesla is... Uh, just has is sterling with supporting its old customers as omar has said like the fact that you know your your ex can is is robotaxi capable like when we get to the version of fsd software that is robotaxi capable you're going to be and that is pretty amazing but if you want all of the goodies of the of the new x you're just going to have to get a new x and this is a very rare thing that happens in tesla world you know it's it's you know elon famously said we don't do refreshes when someone kept was pestering him about this and i think what happened was internally they just said you know what if lucid is coming after us we're going to just kick their ass and we're going to reinvent this vehicle and make it radically better so it's not a refresh it's a completely new vehicle so you know right and i i probably will i probably will buy a new x uh, sometime soon but uh I'll only do that after they come up with the 4860s and maybe they put it in the Model X as well and I get some more range. Um, I'm still happy and I'm still driving my Model X. I mean, uh, <laughs> heck, I've, I, my, I, I've driven 15,000 miles since 2007 on my Model X, so it's almost new, you know? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, the, the only degradation it has is the fact that uh, the battery was built four years ago, but uh, other than that, the car is almost as new as the uh, as the 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 2020 legacy model x's <laughs> uh because it does have the latest computer it does has have fsd it just needs some new cameras and they're going to do it for free so it's 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 still a very very good car a great car it's an amazing car um i would I, my idea was if if from now on they're gonna change to the vertical screen and they're not coming back to the uh, to the to the other screen in three four years from now, um, uh, maybe they could be able to provide a, a a retrofit that's changing the whole dashboard to to the new one. And of course, if that's costly, some people may do it, some may not. And I I certainly would. One thing I wanted to bring up just while we were on the topic of the hardware upgrades is, you know, the the first information computer, MCU-1, first came out in 2012, and it wasn't until 2018 when they finally upgraded to the next version. Uh, and thus, we've been obviously been on that version for the last three or so years. So I, at the same time as, you know, it is annoying to have to upgrade and have to pay for those paid upgrades. That's, you know, if you treat the car more like it's a phone, more like it's a computer, it's expected for you to have to, if you want the latest and greatest, you need to, you know, unfortunately you have to do, to pay for the latest and greatest at some points. Um, and paying a grand and a half, two grand to upgrade every four or five, six years really isn't too bad. It's still a cost. It's still something that has to be swallowed. But it, when you are, you're already paying for such an upgrade in terms of the quality and the just overall experience you have with your vehicle, it adds so much 
Yeah, and a lot of it is, is like FOMO because you know what's coming out and you're seeing because you're following it on Twitter and on YouTube and everything and you say, well, I want that. Of course you want that. You, you just saw it. But for like people who are not following all the latest updates who just, you know, have their car and everything, I guess it's not that big of a deal. They get an update. They might not have all the features and everything, but or they get it a few days late. Like, who cares, right? It's It's not, you know... It's because you pay attention to what's going on and that you you notice all that you're missing out on like for a few days until you get the update or that you have to pay for the retrofit. But like Omar said, like the 2017 Model X is an amazing car today. So I guess it's not the same level of, of FOMOing for everybody. You don't have to have that upgrade. And for everyone who, every single Model S, or sorry, every single Model 3 and Y that currently has the second uh, information computer, that computer is going to still be running absolutely perfect for the next three, four years. It's still going to support all the new updates. It's still going to support a bunch of quality of life updates and new UIs. The only thing that realistically you might not see is a couple, you know, the more intensive things, like you might not see a AAA gaming. That's pretty much it, and that doesn't affect any of the underlying you know experience you have with driving the vehicle itself it's just the very optional extra things if you want that extra you know, bells and whistles you just pay for it but otherwise for everyone else the car will run perfectly as a uh robert you're up hey guys really enjoyed the conversation um and i think uh, j- this isn't what i wanted to say but i think alex makes some fair points um, especially, and I know we're lucky to get software updates and I, I know that full self-driving is awesome that we are able to participate in it, but Tesla also wins in getting our data and improving it so that we can also have a great experience with full self-driving. So there's a, there's a bi-directional relationship happening there that I think is fair to acknowledge. Um, but the thing that I wanted to mention is I'm watching the interview today. And Elon mentions that he thinks by in you know this year 2022 that they'll have full self-driving solved, and that there's very few disengagements. And and I'm in a rural area in northeast Mississippi, and I think the disengagement numbers that they may be seeing may be very little in well-marked, well-trafficked areas. But when I get in in northeast Mississippi in roads that are poorly marked and sometimes not marked at all um, from a line perspective, the, the disengagements are extreme. It's all, it's often, uh, I had a 10 minute section where I had to disengage like seven times. And so I'm a little skeptical on it being ready in 2022. So I kind of wondered y'all's perspective on it. Yeah, it's a great question, Robert. And, uh, I think that's awesome that you're using FST beta in Mississippi. I know we were talking a little bit about that earlier. Um, You know, about a year ago, when FST beta first came out, I was having, you know, 10 disengagements in seven minutes or whatever you just said. I, I was in the same place as you in California. And here we are a day later, many if not most now of my drives are zero takeover, which is not to say that there aren't problems, but they're very aware of what's happening to you. They've got a file in their database and it says Robert went for a drive and he had a bunch of disengagements in 10 minutes 
And here's what they were. Here's actually a video of them. And the team's going to watch that. They're going to look at it. They're going to improve it. And you have to realize, you know, Elon's running an alpha build of 11. When he projects out a year, there's really a lot of things you're seeing. And I think a lot of people at first can get FSD beta and say, wow, okay, you know, there's a lot of uh, takeovers I had to do, which is your your experience when you get it always, um, is that, you know, you're a little bit taken aback by kind of the nature of some of the things you have to do. But then you keep using it and you see the progress. And I'm pretty sure you're going to see the progress. I mean, especially for someone like you, who's in an area like Mississippi, you're kind of out of the well, uh, trodden path in terms of we have a ton of users here in california right if there's any kind of issue with the road here or something they'll pick it up really fast they'll get a bunch of users you are really kind of you know pathfind uh you know laying the ground in many ways being probably one of the first beta testers in your region um and that's going to help a lot to improve it in your region and i'm interested to hear your experiences over the next year as uh, it improves. I think you'll see what I've seen, which is that there's going to be a dramatic improvement. And whether the lane lines are faded, whether the roads are good or bad, no matter the scenario, it's got to work. And that is the goal of the team, to make it work in all those scenarios. Low lighting, bad weather, anything you can think of. And it's going to take time, but they're going to continue to iterate on it. And, you know, Elon, he's kind of an optimistic guy in some ways. He says that they think they're going to solve FSD every year. At the beginning of last year, he said, we're going to be level five by the end of the year. Well, here we are. There's a couple of days left for them to do level five, and they're not exactly there. At the same, I mean, not even close. At the same time, the progress they've made is incredibly impressive. Um, and, I mean, have you have you enjoyed testing uh, the software and playing with Oh, man. I'll, like, I'll give you an example. There was a drive, a 40-minute drive through two different towns that I had zero disengagements. So, mm -hmm. But those were towns that were more developed, well-marked, good roads. Um, as the roads deteriorate, I see the, the FSD also struggle more. But I, but I also want to say, like, it's unbelievable. And, and I, and I want to give credit. I'm, I'm not being, I don't want anybody here to think I'm being negative. I just wanted to have a, a true discussion because I am super impressed with it. You know, I told my son when we were riding the other day, I said, I feel like we're driving in the future right now. You know, we're living in the future. But I do think that when you start, you know, you've got innovators and early adopters. When you start getting to that early majority and late majority of people who are going to adopt this thing, they're going to need to feel real comfortable about it when they're sitting in there in the car and driving. And one of the things I notice is when it's driving, I'm a lot more cautious when I'm. Oops. I think I hit the wrong button. Let me see if I can get him back. Uh, where did he go? There he is. Yeah. You can bring him on stage if you want. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Robert, sorry. I accidentally kicked you off at the button to come back. Or, you know, uh, Jeffrey, yes. you want to go? I'm oh, sorry. Go oh, ahead, sorry. Robert. Well, I was just going to, I don't know where I got cut off, but I, I it, it it has been, I was telling my son riding in it, he was so impressed and, and so was I. But, but I think that when you start bringing in people who are skeptical, they're going to have to, they're going to have to feel a, a sense of comfort from the way that the car drives. 
And for me, when I'm driving, I can, if I'm 10 miles over the speed limit, I'm perfectly comfortable. Family's perfectly comfortable. But when the car is even at the speed limit, sometimes it takes turns real hard or brakes extremely. It does things that don't, uh, how do you say it? That it doesn't encourage uh, confidence in humans. And so I think as they improve that, because I will say this, and I was telling you this earlier on Twitter, every single person I've given a ride, and of course, everybody in the little town I live in is coming and give me a ride, give me a ride, and I'm taking them all on a ride. Every one of them is, I got to get one of these. This is way better than I thought it would be. And so the FSD, I think, also has to be, because autopilot on the freeway, it, it, it is perfect. It exceeds expectation. Um, and so that's that's why I was mentioning I'm super impressed with FSD. I'm just wondering what y'all think the real, the true timeline for it being good enough, like he said in the podcast, that I can read a book or not really pay attention and it's still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's such a great question and one that people have all the time. This is really kind of the core of Tesla's software ambitions. If they can really get the car to drive itself, then the earnings potential on software, thing they can do, things they can do with this new AMD Ryzen chip, with the gaming in the car, I mean, that could be a billion-dollar business by itself, just selling games to people to play while the car drives, or books or movies or whatever. Um, so a lot of people are wondering about, you know, kind of when this is. But um, I would say that what you're describing is totally... Uh, expected. You know, this is beta software. It's going to be a little rough. It's going to be a little bit uncomfortable at first. It's going to take a little bit of getting used to, especially when you're somewhere like Mississippi. Um, But I can tell you using it from the last 14 months that just wait for every update, you know, keep checking it out. Check out this version 11. You're going to see an improvement like I've seen. I mean, oh my God, compared to the version I first got, if you could believe it, it was way worse than this. It was like day and night. Um, and I think it's amazing. You look at a company like Waymo. They've been in Chandler, Arizona. They've never even made it to downtown Phoenix. Meanwhile, you've got Tesla. And they're running FSD beta everywhere from California to New York to Canada to Mississippi to Georgia. Probably all 50 states now, they've got a beta tester and they're collecting data. They've got people really looking at that data. And, you know, Mississippi is very different from California and California is very different from Washington and Washington's very different from Nebraska. And they all have their own quirks to the road systems. They've all got different things. Um, and Tesla's going to have to learn how to do, with, do all of that. That's the really hard part about the problem. It's easy to, you know, make a robo taxi and, it's going to be in one part of the city or something like that. But to really make a car that could drive anywhere in the country, this is the golden goose. Um, this is what you really want. This is what is going to transform the world. And yeah, we don't really know how long it's truly going to take, but we do get to watch and we do get to see the updates. And the thing that I think is important to appreciate is there's so much emphasis on this question of when do they solve autonomy? When do they solve autonomy? You know, people are looking at these Chuck Cook videos and he's making all these unprotected lefts over and over again. And they're saying, oh, you know, it missed, you know, half of those unprotected lefts. FSD is never going to happen. But Tesla has done something really smart here compared to Waymo and others, where Waymo is basically running a robo taxi service and taking passengers. 
Tesla just said, look, we're going to ship this as a driver assistance system. And we know it's not great. We know it's not perfect. We know it can be uncomfortable, but we're going to let the driver choose when to turn it on and when to turn it off. And although it may not be good for every scenario, you can't read a book yet. It's already going to be useful in many scenarios. And as a matter of fact, people are going to have fun. They're going to kind of enjoy playing with it. They're going to, when they see it on their friend's car, want to buy a Tesla themselves, as you just said. So even before autonomy in 2022, I see the take rates of FSD expanding. I see this really spreading with word of mouth. This is a business for them before autonomy. If autonomy takes a little bit longer than expected, they can make a lot of money in the meantime, selling FSD subscriptions and FSD packages to people. And look, you know, <laughs> people have been blowing estimates for when robo taxis are going to arrive since 2009, right? You can just go back and see failed prediction after failed prediction. So I'm not going to try and make a prediction for you, but we do get to see the progress now. We get to follow along and we get to find out how close. I'll happily uh, fall on that sword, Omar. Um, so I'll say, you know, 80% likelihood that we get first deployment of Tesla robo taxis within nine to 18 months. So sometime between September of next year and June of 23, we're going to see Tesla robo taxis. That's my prediction. And I feel pretty confident. It's on the record. Yep. Yeah, I don't think that's too crazy. I think what we'll kind of see is it happening piece by piece. Like, you may be able to take your hands off on the highway. We know they're going to be doing driverless in the boring tunnel uh, where it's more allowed. Maybe certain city centers that are well mapped and well defined for it. So I think we'll start seeing it piece by piece. And we might be surprised at how quickly it can deploy in some limited settings. Like, for example, Cruise is doing an interesting thing where they have a permit to be driverless, but only from like 12 midnight to 4 a.m. or something like that. So imagine a scenario where your car, you have to supervise it, but from, you know, 12 a.m. to 4 a.m. or something like that, it's allowed to drive itself up to 30 miles an hour when there's no traffic or something like that. And you can go rent out your car and have it, you know, drive home to you at night or something like that. So I think really what we're going to see is it's going to happen piece by piece. There's not going to be some big moment where it's like, okay, robo taxis here. It's going to happen slowly to the point where by the time driverless is enabled, we're going to say, well, of course, I've been using this software in my car for so long and it never makes a mistake. Of course, driverless should be allowed. Um, so I think it's going to happen pretty gradually. And you just look at deep learning. You look at all the amazing things that are happening at DeepMind and OpenAI with Clip and GPT-3 and all of that. And uh, just bet on the growth of deep learning. That's what I would say to everyone. All right, Jeffrey, uh, let's make this our last question. Oh, hey there. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, what's up? Hey, everyone. Thanks. Great conversation tonight. Just just a couple of comments. One, it, I don't think everybody's... I think sometimes when I hear the comments around FSD beta from people, I don't think people realize it's beta. It's not production. And and from, you know, from having a background in, in product development and product introduction um, for a couple of decades, there's a, there's a big difference. I don't know if everybody should actually be running 
uh, beta. I mean, I, I agree with actually the way Tesla's rolling it out. I think it's pretty unique. But I, when I hear some of the comments from people, it's just like, hey, it's still doing this, right? They're like, well, it is beta. Like your software shipped with a bug list and they're working on it and you're going to generate more bugs and you're, we're still on this curve. Uh, and it'll probably be on a curve for a long time driving the bug list down on FSD beta. Um, I just don't think people, I think people think they're running it because they bought a production car and it's running beta software. I think sometimes people just forget about that. I think it's also important to note that like the progression of FSD beta is not just a linear progression. There are going to be releases that are worse than prior releases, but then they'll, you know, fix the the issues in that release and make the, you know, the next one better. I think oh, 10.6 was sort of uh, an example of that. And then 10.8, I think, fixed a lot of the issues prior to that. That was my, that was actually my next point too. Thanks for raising. I mean, so I was running 10.5 on a Model Y performance and then I upgraded to, Model S Plaid, which I love, and I had, I had to go retrain and, and get you know, the right scoring. And uh, I just got 10.8 a couple of days ago, and just noticing the the jump from the last time I drove a car with FST Beta was 10.5 to 10.8. was just, I mean, unbelievable. Um, so I, I think I, I, when we, and then we started this too, so I ran, I ran uh, manufacturing, I ran supply chain for Motorola, and I also was chief quality officer. Um, and we noticed, I mean, when you're doing um, user trial or dog fooding and you're kind of iterating through product development, you, you have kind of a different approach to bugs and what you see and what you notice versus getting a completely new population of people when you're actually running the release that's closer to the, the candidate for production. And it's just, it's just a different there's just a different mindset and approach. Actually, the people uh, that have been on alpha builds all the way through beta actually get somewhat fatigued and actually start somewhat becoming somewhat more accepting of things that they shouldn't be accepting of. Um, it's just an interesting phenomenon um, in just in beta and, you know, getting the production build, just thought I raised. And then just finally, this whole conversation about hardware retrofits hardware retrofits like when you're developing a product and we did this when we were going from 2g to 3g and 3g to 4g uh sometimes we had to build um you know the ability to retrofit the modem like in tablets and so forth when you design for that you're you're somehow you are putting a compromise in the product whether it's dimensional whether it's um how it goes together um you're 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 usually putting some sort of compromise in that. So you really can't like this conversation about making the car, like, you know, I want to retrofit the dash, like, like the whole, like every single, I, I, my understanding is the only part number that's the same in a refreshed um, SRX versus legacy are the chair rails and everything else is a completely different part number. So it, it's not as simple as that. And I think Matthew went into that. There's many more things that are changed in the car. So when you're, designing a product you, you're if you're designing for massive retrofits across many different elements there's probably going to be some compromises along the way to do that and there and, and then the other thing is take rate like the take like how many people would actually want to do that update would probably be pretty low and therefore the cost structure would be enormous so anyway there's just some comments on that yeah Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that was a great uh, comment, commentary, and I think you're exactly right that 
it's it's beta software and people may not be used to the idea of beta software in the car but really most people shouldn't be running it unless uh you really want an adventure and you really want to ta- uh get a taste of the future and it's really great that tesla's letting people uh who want to do that do that i mean i love it but you got to know what you're getting yourself into and uh be prepared now before we end i just wanted to stop with the callers for a minute and just talk amongst our panels for the rest of the show until we get tired and the speakers need to leave about you know just zooming out for a minute here at this whole process i mean i think we get so caught up with these little things that are happening on the ground people saying oh i wish i had fsd beta or i wish i could get a retrofit or I don't like this about the software, but just this whole process of, I mean, this is so different for the auto industry to have a car where there's this holiday update, right? And it leaked out, I think maybe Tyler leaked it, or um, we saw the first screenshots and everybody's so excited for this holiday software update for the new features that are going to make their car better. And the whole experience around that, everybody's, you know, dying to get it and uh, getting it on Christmas and, you know, sharing their reactions, good and bad. Um, I mean, it's really a, a sea change, right? In what this industry is. You used to just get your car and that's it, right? <laughs> that's the car forever. You're not worried about a retrofit or whatever. The retrofit's to get a new car. And, uh, I just think, you know, this is so underappreciated. You don't see it from anyone else. You see Lexus doing a big software update or BMW, and everybody's really excited for this new user interface, these new features. Um, I I mean, it's just such a different way of doing business. Anybody have any thoughts on just this whole thing? Yeah, I'll offer some thoughts. Um, Today, I took my Honda Accord to the dealership to get my brakes, uh, you know, where the pads replaced. And it said, they said, I'll take about two hours and then you can come back and it'll be ready. We come back two hours later. They're like, sorry, we couldn't replace the brake pads. We had a GPS update we had to do and it's still going two hours later. I'm like, are you, are you joking? <laughs> like, why couldn't I just do this at home? They're like, you can't. I'm like, all right, sweet. Like, so now I got to go back tomorrow and like finish this fucking job. Wow. So like, I think people really under, like, you know, I think we should really be appreciative of all the like over the air software updates that people can just do at home. And the fact that people don't have to bring these things into the, you know, any dealerships or whatever, and just, you know, do like traditional um, updates or maintenance. Yeah, it's yeah, I can't wait till I get my Model Y early next year. I'm so done with it. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering what's the what's the comparison? Like, uh, a lot of times we compare like the like the regular phone to the iPhone versus like regular car to like Tesla's. But I feel like it's, it's even worse than that. It feels like, like the age of like the typewriter versus the age of the word processor <laughs> to, to some extent, you know what I mean? It's like, Oh yeah. People aren't used to getting like software updates. Like they're used to getting on their phone, their tablets, their PCs, their Macs, whatever, but not their cars. And now when you get exposed to that, I feel like, People are getting uh, a taste. You know, it's like Chief Steve Jobs said, you know, you don't wait for people to tell you what they want. You show them what they need. 
you know, uh, or along those lines, I, I probably misquoted, but, you know, it's like, it's for people to, to think these things up and present them to the customers. And I think when they're seeing this, like, there's no going back. There's nobody going back. Maybe some weirdo writer wants to like the clickety clack of a typewriter or something, but yeah, nobody wants to like start over and I don't know, like they used carbon paper or something like to, to, to make copies or something. Yeah. People want word processing and a laser printer. You know, and and they want updates and uh, they want it to be seamless. And of course, it's not always going to happen. And I think we touched a lot of about this. And I think, you know, Mac OS changes and oh, my God, it's not. in you know, it doesn't look the same. I don't kind of like it. But then after a few weeks, oh, I think it's better. And, you know, everybody complains about everything. Like most people are not appreciative of what they get. They always find something to complain like me first about everything. But uh, yeah, I think, I think it's also important to note that like Tesla is just like under a microscope, like no other car brand on earth. Like true, any little change is reported. Anything that goes wrong is reported. So everything's just amplified to the max where it's just not the case with other car brands. Yeah. I mean, those are such great points. And I mean, it really speaks to, to Tesla as a software culture. Um, I think when people are complaining, this is why I said, you know, I don't really want to spend all this time really digging into people's various complaints because what they're really saying is I love my Tesla. Even when they're complaining, you know, I want the latest software. I want it now. I want to have the latest hardware. I want to have FSD beta. I want to have all these things. And they're so excited about it. And this is really, I mean, that level of excitement, you don't see it from any other car brand where they're excited to upgrade to their car to get better, where they have this feeling. And just saw your story about the service, right? And you think about how Tesla would do this. Well, the same app you control your car would have the service and you would go in there and make a service. Well, first of all, your brakes wouldn't wear out because you've got regen braking on an electric car. But if you did have to go to service, you just go in the service, make an appointment in the app, say what the issue is from a list of categories, even take a picture of the car. And then the service can go and they can log into the vehicle while it's still in your garage and they can talk to the vehicle. They can ask it questions, maybe ask it about one of the warnings or alerts that popped up and they can say, okay, let me try and fix this remotely even. And they can actually fix your car in your garage if if you don't need to come and take it to the service center. And if you do come to the service center, you get the ability to text them in the app you get a notification when your car's done right there in the same app you used to control the car. And when it's time to pick it up, you get a notification and they give you an Uber credit. They'll pay for you to come back and uh, pick up your car. So, I mean, this is just a day and night experience uh, completely from what Sawyer uh, experienced, not to mention, of course, you can do software updates in your garage. And it legacy can't match that kind of experience. They don't even own the dealer networks. So how do you integrate the app that controls the car with sales and service and the dealers when it's just not, it's a separate. You know, um, I just wanted to underline that Omar, you've been using the word car a lot. And fundamentally, I think Tesla makes Teslas, not cars. Right. You know, like Elon, you know, Tesla's are cars in the same way iPhones are phones. If you think about it, like how much does an iPhone have in common with 
you know, not just like a Nokia flip phone from back in the day, but even like a landline, you know, rotary dial phone. Like, I think it's that much of a, of a difference that, um, you know, Teslas are fundamentally supercomputers that just happen to come in this particular form factor, right? They're supercomputers in the form factor of a vehicle, but they have essentially nothing in common with quote unquote cars. Whereas, you know, all other, you know, legacy car companies are just making, you know, slight variations of the exact same product. So, um, yeah, so I think it's, it's a quantum leap forward and, and I think it's, there's zero chance of anybody competing. Um, and, um, yeah, the, the surprise and delight, I mean, this was definitely like, possibly the best Christmas present I ever received was, was this software update, right? And I paid no money for it. And, you know, it meant, and, 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 it, and it didn't cost Tesla anything to ship it to me other than their engineering time, right? Like, it's, it's like unreal, like the level of quality of life that was improved for me and, you know, hundreds of thousands of others of uh, Tesla owners um, through, through that over the air delivery, which. Yeah, it's so true. And I mean, I think the smartphone analogy is one that's been made so many times, but it rings so true. A smartphone wasn't a phone. It was a computer that replaced your phone. And similarly, a smart car or a Tesla, it's not a car. It's something that replaces your car, a computer that replaces your car. And that's, I think you even see this in uh, nomenclature, like the way people talk about it. They say, oh, a car. But if you hear people talking about a Tesla, they'll call it a Tesla, not a car. You even see this in headlines sometimes, right? Partly because of the clicks it generates. But I mean, it's very true. It's it's profound. When you're running FSD beta 10.8 and you realize that you have this thing, it's not even a car. It's like this pod, this capsule. And I can push a button on my phone and the thing starts preheating itself to exactly my right condition, getting the seats comfortable for me to sit in at the right temperature, getting the cabin at the right temperature, defrosting the windshield automatically if needed. And I just get in this car and I say, I want you to take me to Veronica's house, or I want you to take me to In-N-Out, or I want you to take me to Mexico even. And the car just goes, all right, fuck it, let's go. I just push the thing and it starts driving me there. And maybe I have to make a few corrections. Let's say it can't make a left turn. I got to take over and make that left turn. Or maybe there's someone on riding on a bike and I'm feeling uncomfortable. I take over. Maybe for a few seconds today, I have to do a little bit of driving. But the vast majority, like more than 95% already today in this pre-release beta state, it's doing it for you. So that fundamentally changes the whole concept of what it is, right? It's not a car. I mean, if you're not driving it, is it really a car? It's this thing you sit in and it just takes you wherever you want to go. It's almost like a magic carpet. And it just feels different when you're just sitting in that front seat, your hands are crossed in your lap and you're looking at the road, but the controls are moving themselves and you're just going for this ride and uh, taking in the view. It's profound. And you look at now Tesla putting an AMD Ryzen chip with PS5 level graphics and not just the top end SNX, but now the three and Y2 all around the world. Hmm. But why does it make sense to put such an intense gaming computer that's so powerful in all your cars? 
right? People are driving their car. They're not trying to play a game or are they, right? They're really thinking about the future in a much deeper way than anybody else is. You know, by the end of the decade, I think the word Tesla is going to replace the word car in like common culture. Like when people see the thing on the road, they're going to just sit, they're going to just say the word Tesla immediately. Like that's what it is in the same way, you know, that people, you know, like use the word iPhone or whatever, or even just to use an extremely old, outdated, but still perhaps relevant example like Xerox. Like nobody said photocopy, they just said Xerox because that was the thing. And Tesla is going to be the defining element when you think about point A to point, a to point B transportation, Tesla is going to be it, um, especially amongst the younger generation. And I think we're also going to get to the point really quickly where, um, and I mean this in a good way, that people are going to take Teslas for granted. Um, I don't know if you guys watched, uh, watch Tesla daily. Hopefully everyone in this audience does. Um, but Rob Maurer was talking about how, you know, he took, uh, his mom on, on her first ever FSD beta ride along. Right. And it was like a 30 minute zero disengagement drive where the only thing he did was change the speed with the scroll wheel, like once or something. They got to the end and his mom's only comment was, why didn't it park in our driveway? Right. And, and, and that was her entire, that was the entirety of her, her review of this thing. And it's like, those of us who are tech geeks recognize that this is a mind boggling, you know, near miraculous revolution in technology. But pretty soon, people are going to take Teslas for granted in the same way that they take their iPhones for granted. Like no one questions, no one's like, oh my God, this iPhone's a miracle. Whereas, you know, if you went back in time, you know, 20 or 30 years and showed an iPhone to someone from the 80s, their mind would be fucking boggled, right? But but pretty quickly, technology moves forward and just becomes part of our lives. And I think Tesla's going to be there before we know it, where it's just taken for granted by everyone that this is what it means to have a vehicle or be in a vehicle. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that autonomous electric vehicles with a great computing experience inside uh tesla is going to be the word the same way a google is a search or an iphone is a smartphone in many ways um and this is really what is defensible about their brand and what their moat really is because if you think about the electric vehicle industry, you've got really everybody and their mom coming out with an electric vehicle these days. And it's really not that difficult in many ways compared to an internal combustion engine, you know, an electric motor. It's relatively simple. It's well understood. Uh, batteries, they're a little bit hard to uh, supply right now, but basically anyone with enough capital can build an electric vehicle. And there's so much capital chasing electric vehicles from, you know, Rivian and Lucid being worth more than Ford and GM, really, you know, to even Nikola being worth billions of dollars. There's so much capital that there's just going to be so many electric cars and they're going to have great specs, great range. Um, it's going to be hard to differentiate yourself based on hardware, I think. Hardware is eventually from a vehicle perspective, moving towards a commodity. But when you look at the software, that's what's really defensible. That's what no one is going to be able to catch. Nobody is going to be able to match FSD beta for a number of years. The competition is years behind offering a car that can do driveway to driveway drives with zero takeovers. 
And even things like the defroster, the fact that you can swipe on the screen on your Tesla and it's so responsive, it's so fast um, compared to a legacy automaker interface that's slow and laggy and all that. Ford can't take those defrosters off the screen. They can't move things. They've got this volume knob on the screen and everything. Um, they've got all the climate controls kind of centered around the knob. So they're very locked in. What Tesla's doing is is very disruptive. It's very different. And software is going to be the primary differentiating factor, not hardware, for how people buy a car. And you're already starting to see that happen today. If you look at, for example, Apple, Apple's created such a great ecosystem that I'm always buying Apple products. And there are Android phones sometimes that have features that are better than the iPhone, a better camera, maybe a better screen, maybe the screen actually folds, all kinds of other nice to have features. But time and time again, you come back to the iPhone because of the software, because of the integration with the ecosystem. And I think that's what you're going to see with Tesla, where this just builds a wall around, um, it just builds a fort. Uh, it builds a, a huge moat for them to protect their customer base and continue to grow. Because people are going to say, oh, I know how to use this Tesla software. I have my account, my cloud profile sync. Uh, I love the games on there. This is really great. I don't want to get in a Waymo, which doesn't have any games, doesn't have any PS5 level graphics and is just mom self-driving minivan. I want to get into Tesla. And long-term, the software is everything, just like a computer, just like a phone. The hardware is all going to be pretty much the same. I mean, you can see, you know, Mach-E GT, the performance version, I think maybe has a little bit slower acceleration. The acceleration also tapers off. Edmunds wouldn't recommend it because you could only get the max acceleration two times or something like that. So it's a little bit behind Tesla, but you know, the zero to 60 times close and they're going to continue to improve on the hardware uh, and make it, you know, pretty impressive in its own right. But the software, that's where they're going to have a hard time coming anywhere. Just a comment about moats. <clears throat> um, so Warren Buffett, you know, famously talks about moats as being, you know, a key differentiator in a fantastic investment. Um, but I remember Elon saying something like, moats are dumb. And I think what he meant by that, my interpretation was like, he's, he's saying like, if you are running a business and your like goal is to defend your business by creating a moat, like that's just not the right thing to be doing from the perspective of great products and services that consumers want and love. Like just do that, just focus on great products and services that consumers love and you'll be successful. And if you don't make that happen, then you won't be. And, you know, I think Apple has actually been pretty intentional about, about its moat. You know, if you look at like a lot of the internal emails that have leaked out during various lawsuits and discovery and stuff, and you see like things that like Eddie Q was saying in various memos, you know, I think Apple was pretty intentional about, we want to create a system that locks people into the iPhone and the iTunes store and the app store and all that stuff. And I think that's not what Tesla is in trying to do. I think it's like a kind of an automatic side effect that the Tesla ecosystem is just such a wonderful place to be that once you're there, you're like, well, I don't want to leave this ecosystem because anything, anything else would be a step down. Like, why would I want to leave the Hilton and go stay at the Motel 6 across the street where, you know, all the OEMs are hanging out? Like, you know, so, um, 
Yeah, so that, that was just my quick thought about about moats is that it's, it's sort of like a side effect, but not something like te that Tesla's like intentionally trying to do. Oh, and then also about software versus hardware. You know, I think the hardware aspect is is important, especially in certain areas. Like, you know, like especially with the Cybertruck, right? Like, you know, if you're kind of an um, a more old school truck driver, you know, maybe you work construction, whatever, and you're kind of used to the Ford F one fifty, when you're analyzing you're you know, making a purchase dish decision on the F-150 Lightning versus the Cybertruck. And the Cybertruck is just so much more performative in terms of, you know, its towing capacity, in terms of its power, in terms of all the other, all the other things that matter to you, like as a truck guy, you're like, wait a second. I, I don't know if I'm okay with the, this weird Cybertruck look, but it literally just kicks ass. It completely demolishes when it comes to performance. Like, I think that kind of thing is actually really important too, in addition to the software, so. Yeah, I totally like your your comment about the moat. Uh, I think uh, the Warren Buffett thing is you build a moat and you defend it, whereas Elon was basically, no, you do, you innovate, which is being perceived as a moat by others. But then because you keep innovating, you're moving away from it and you're basically from other people's perspective, building another moat like down the road and you keep doing that. And that's how you stay ahead. Whereas Warren is more like a build and defend type mentality. Yeah, yeah. I think Alex and had it exactly uh, right there. Essentially, what Elon was kind of saying he was against was building a moat and defending it. Like an example of that would be like iMessage, right? So Apple said, we've got this messaging service. Other iPhone users get the blue bubble. Everyone else, they're this, these peasant green bubble users. And we're going to make a very intentional decision not to launch iMessage on Android to build a moat, to keep our enemies away. Elon has always said, hey, we're against moats because we actually need EVs to take off. We actually need, you know, the Taycan and the Kia EV6 or whatever. We need all these vehicles. So we're not going to build a moat. We're just going to innovate faster than everybody. And our rate of iteration is going to be faster than everybody's. And that's how, you know, maybe he wouldn't call it a moat, but that's how we're going to stay ahead is we're just going to be iterating faster and definitely start ha, uh, hardware and software. They, the beauty is really working really well together and that integration and for Tesla so hardware and software, they go hand in hand. They're going to work really closely together. And of course, Tesla's going to have better batteries. They're going to have the 4680 and structural pack. They're going to have hardware that's better than the competition in many ways, but what I really mean by becoming a commodity long-term is Tesla may say, hey, do you want this Cybertruck for maybe next to nothing? And it's basically just included, if you just buy this subscription for us, this FSD subscription for say, I don't know, 800 bucks or whatever, this is going to include your car, it's going to include your insurance, it's going to include the FSD service, and basically everything you want. And maybe you can upgrade to a new Cybertruck anytime you want, because we can actually send your old Cybertruck out to do robo-taxi rides and make more money than you're, we're making from you. So long-term, they are going to make a lot of money on the software side, I think. And the hardware isn't really necessarily a second thought or not important, but it's really the core to what the software is. Without the hardware, you don't have anything to run on. 
Um, but it's really about that beautiful marriage, much like. When I took delivery of my Model 3, uh, I had a really nice infinity in my garage. And from the very day that I took delivery, that car was dead to me for no other reason than the software. I literally did not touch it for a single time until the day that I was eventually found a buyer to, to sell it to. And it was a, such a chore for me to get in the car, look for the little, it was a, it was a, like a nice 2012 uh, Infinity 3, uh, 330Ci. Um, and I, I was it was a sports coupe, but it, I love that vehicle. But the you know everything died to me the second I took I took delivery of my Model Three. The software was so drastically different. The experience was so much better that it again every other car is pretty much dead to me at this point because just distinctly because of how much this software builds upon that vehicle. It it makes it. A whole yeah, totally. I know. I mean, it was the same thing with me when I got my Model 3. I still had my lease of my BMW 3 Series, and oh my god, it's like going from the Stone Age uh, into, you know, the modern age. It's just a total game changer, and things like autopilot, you couldn't even dream of that on any other. Hey, since we're wrapping up, yeah, Matthew, uh, this is addressed to you. Like, what's up with the Wheel of Fortune thing? Like, can you give us a hint here or something? Yeah, this has been the worst like, game ever, Matthew. Uh, I hate to yeah, break totally. it to you. I've never had less fun playing a game. Like, why don't you at least save yourself and just tell everyone on this episode what the big thing is? Like, yeah, because want... I, I, I got to tell you, like, you know, there's, like, websites, like Wheel of Fortune guessers, where you put the letters in. So there's... A few possibilities for the last word, but the first word, like, there's only two possibilities, and they're certainly not those. So, I don't know. It's a made-up word, like the first word or something? Come on. Give us something. Yeah, so, so here's where it's at. is is It's going to be announced. It's going to be early January. We were asked to hold off, and we have to respect that request. So, uh, we were asked to wait until after the first of the year. I'm just... Well, listen, and and we'll delete this part of the recording. Don't worry. Yeah, just say it, dude. Come on. Just between us. It'll it'll happen. uh, A winner in the event's name will be announced uh, early. Okay, did somebody win? Tell us at least that. There, there, is, guess there, there, there is a winner. That's all I'll say. And then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll okay. talk more about it early, early. Uh, and this winner, this winner got it with the uh, only the three letters, or did they bought, purchase a, I, one I, and then I, they I got? Think I said the, everything I'm gonna say. <laughs> There's oh. a winner, and the winner and the, the the big thing will be announced early January, and and we can't. All right, all we right. We can't disclose it yet, unfortunately. The plan was to okay. disclose, you know, to announce that, and then we were asked to wait. All right, so big thing early January. Buy calls. If they close out of the money, Matthew will re- <coughs> do not buy. There you go. Do not buy calls. <laughs> do not buy calls. Twenty five hundred strike. It's a big. It's a big thing, but it's not. It's a big thing, but it's not something that would have any impact on the stock price. It's something that fans would care about. That's it. Tesla fans will care about this, but it's not something related to the stock price. It's the gigatech party. Else. I'm not going to say anything else about what it is, but it's it's a big thing that Tesla people will care about, but it's not. 
I'm, I'm sure if we start doing shots, he'll, he'll loosen up. <laughs> yeah, let's get him drunk later and uh, we'll get more <laughs> info out of that. Anyway, we've been going for almost two hours now. So why don't we just go around and anyone can say any closing thoughts they have on you know, Tesla software and what the future holds. And then we can wrap up to the, for the night. Thank you so much to everybody who joined us live, everybody who joined uh, with questions, you know. We do this just for all of you guys, and we really appreciate everyone who called in. So, and also thank you to uh, Matthew and Ty- uh, Matthew and Tyler for joining us. Uh, really great to have you on. So, with that, let's go around. Maybe we'll start with Alex and Sawyer. Then, yeah. So, like takeaways. Yeah, software. Like always, uh, it'll piss you off when it changes when you're used to it. But it's the future. It's like it's what we're used to in every other aspects of our lives. Like your fridge has software now, so you know it's there's no way around it. And Tesla is like knocking it out of the park while legacy OEM is struggling. So those are your options. You can be like leading the charge with Tesla and being on the bleeding edge of it all of the future, basically, or you can go like legacy auto and you know good luck with that. Yeah, I'll add. You know, I think from Lex Friedman's podcast today, Elon said, you know, next year. FSD might come, you know, in full, full self-driving next year. And, or I, th- I think Elon said like quite likely. And I think, you know, a lot of people are like, well, he says that every year, but I think this is like the first year where I really felt for the first time I felt like, yeah, this might actually happen because we've seen, you know, FSD beta progression all year long. And I like what I'm seeing. And it'll be, I think the FSD take rate right now is around 18% in the U S. So it's like FSD really does come out next year. Like I'm curious to see what the take rate will be. Because oh that's like pure, mar- that's pure margin. And let's not forget that's about that juicy, market. juicy deferred revenue just waiting to fall to the bottom. <laughs> yeah. Very true. So yeah, 2022 is going to be awesome. Totally agree. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, next year is going to be amazing. So can't wait to see, you know, what happens. And I, I do think that FSD is going to, yeah, I think my, my comment is, pace of improvement right like when we are driving the beta ourselves and we're seeing it disengage and we're seeing it mess up it's it's hard to just step out of that experience and have perspective and see how fast it's improving i mean 10.5 one month ago i would categorize that as roughly you know like age 16 and i would say it's improved one full human year in one month so you just project that forward and you say, hey, it's, it's actually getting faster. You know, it's, I'm sorry, it's improving at a faster pace. Like each iteration is actually a faster cycle. So I think we could be really shocked at just how good it gets. My fiance always says that every FSD beta update is like the uh, car uh, basically growing up one, one additional year, like you said, Matthew. So it's, I'm excited to see where full self-driving the beta goes. I'm uh, with when the, the holiday update first came out, you know, as with a lot of other people, I was a little, you know, head stented to uh, kind of take the changes, to the icons going from the white icons, to colored, the colored and actually enjoy it. But it's with the notion that we are expected to see some kind of app store, at least more information releasing next year about that. I'm very excited for what's to come with the software for with Tesla's and still really enjoying the new holiday update and everything it's brought. So a lot of exciting things next year, uh, both the Cybertruck, uh, a lot of other things coming out. So we'll see where it's Awesome. Thank you so much. And I'll just close out by saying, I mean, 
Wow. This is, I mean, I really think the Tesla UI team deserves a lot of credit. Maybe some people who are customers might say, oh, I hate this update right now. But what I saw, I was extremely impressed. Tesla clearly has some really great talent that is incredibly thoughtful. You know, it takes someone really smart as a designer to be able to say, hey, I think this would actually be better. And maybe the users don't necessarily recognize that at first, but at the end of the day, what matters is that you actually make something easier for them. And I think they've done a really good job with that. I mean, I think a really great example is like the dash cam. People are like, oh, I can't save the dash cam with one tap anymore. I got to click vehicle controls and hit save. But if you think about it, the reason they removed all those icons from the top right is because they're hard to reach. It's the hardest thing to reach. And when you're driving, you're you're shaking, right? The car's moving and your arm is moving left and right. You don't have precise control. It's really hard to hit a small button. And that has been my criticism of the Tesla UI for too long is, you know, there's too much stuff and it's it's crowded. Some of the buttons are too small and you really have to hit a precise tap target. Like you really have to hit the pause button or something in a very precise way. And if you miss something completely different could happen. Like I remember in some of the early versions, you know, you'd hit the music player, and but you'd miss the pause button. So the whole music player would fly up to the top of the screen. And these are the kind of usability issues you're having all the time, trying to use the software while you're in a car, while you're in motion. And for the software team to say, hey, we're actually going to make this an extra tap to save the dash cam. But instead of a super tiny icon in the top right of the screen, we're going to make it a button that's 20 times bigger, much easier to tap. And you tap the vehicle controls and you tap it. And it's actually going to be much easier for the user once they get used to it to just quickly hit that vehicle control and quickly hit the save or do the honk or uh, do whatever they want to do. And actually, you know what? They don't need to push this button that quickly because they have 10 minutes to save it and <laughs> the clips still get saved. So they really just need to push the button sometime in the next 10 minutes. And this requires bravery. It requires thoughtfulness to go up to millions of users. And they're fully aware that people were going to have this reaction. That's why they took all year to develop it. But if you step back, you look at it, I think when people get comfortable with it, they're going to say, wow, this is, um, this is actually really great. And the future updates, uh, I think they're going to be very impressed. Like what I saw as someone who's in software, I think is very bullish. And I'm confident that in time, people will start to see that too. There's so much more like swiping now, right? Like hitting a precise target on a moving screen is very hard and it's easy to swipe broadly. So kind of like swiping up from the bottom of the screen, that's something you can do without even looking at it. And there's a lot of really thoughtful things that I think people are gonna notice over time and that the Tesla software team uh, is going to do. And I mean, there's just so many things we didn't even talk about, like the energy software, the virtual power plant stuff they're using to trade energy. Like there's a reason there's so much craziness around Tesla. There's a reason that all the automakers are going crazy. All the oil makers are going crazy. The media is going crazy. It's because what Tesla is doing is transforming things at a rapid pace at a much more rapid pace than anyone was expecting. And what they're doing with FSD 
they're bringing this technology to the market way faster than it ever could have. And you look at all the EV production in the world. If we had produced EVs as fast as we could, we couldn't replace all the gas cars in the world in any meaningful time frame. But this technology, what Tesla's doing with FSD beta, that can get everybody converted to getting electric rides to ride around faster than we ever could have. It is a game changer for clean energy. And what they're doing with battery production and making all the power walls act together as a virtual power pack and probably even letting the cars join so that we can have clean energy to power all these robo-taxis. I mean, it's just completely transformational. And you can't do all of this without software. So I think what we're going to see in the coming years is going to be pretty incredible. There's a reason Tesla started uh, cleaning things up and decluttering. Because as Elon said in a tweet, there's a lot they're going to add. They've got a lot planned. There's a reason they're putting an AMD Ryzen computer with a high-end GPU in the car. Because we're going to see some amazing things on the Tesla software side. And we're going to see FSD continue to improve. And you'll find that the computer in your car becomes one of your most used computers. Even if you're in the car on your phone, you've got it playing Netflix or playing a game or using some kind of app. Um, and uh, there's a lot of people who are afraid of this because they can't do it. But uh, it's going to change everything. It can't be understated. There's a reason we're all here. You know, you can get people to sit for two hours or even multiple hours on Clubhouse just talking about Tesla, talking about electric vehicles, FSD. The level of passion, the level of craziness, it's something we've never seen before. We're living through something uh, truly extraordinary here. And yeah, I'm just thankful to everybody, you know, who's joining us and follow, following the story and watching it all happen because it's pretty nuts. And with that, if nobody else has anything to say, we'll end the room. Thanks so much, everybody. Thanks a lot, Omar. Great room. Thanks for, thanks for hosting, all of you. Yeah. Tyler, thanks, Matthew. It's a great, great conversation. Yeah, many more to come, very likely. <laughs> well, have a great night.